Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 138. A chat about MLS with the Soccer View. So, Soccer View are a rebrand of what was the Soccer Subs. So, I had my boys Ronnie and Voss to come on the show and talk a little bit about their rebrand, their new show, which is very much MLS focused. They have some fantastic interviews and conversations with people from around the league. And they really know a lot about MLS. They have been big fans of the league for a long time. And frankly, they know them a lot more than I do. So, they are really fun to listen to. There are a bunch of names in this conversation that maybe you don't know, but if you check out their channel, you will. So this is a great fun conversation with two of my good friends in the podcasting sphere. Take a listen. Enjoy. Okay. Uh, Voss and Ronnie from the Soccer View, formerly Soccer Subs for any Campfire Football listeners. You will know these voices if you've... Uh, been around for some uh, classic episodes before. I'd say the most classic that we all did together was uh, the postmortem of France versus Switzerland at the Euros. I just I still still remember that one so well. Uh, so guys, welcome, welcome, and it's uh, great to see you. It's been a while. Say hello. Yeah, appreciate it, Sebastian. Thanks for having us, man. Always a pleasure to be on with you. Uh, it's been a while. So, and yeah. Uh, Still same old us, uh, new name, Soccer View Radio, Soccer Soccer View Podcast, but uh, excited to be on with you, man. Oh, Campfire Football fam, feels good to be back. It's been a very long time, hopefully not as long as the gap between our, our next visit on. But yeah, like Ronnie said, it's a new name, but same old, uh, same old stuff. Still talking about our love, beloved game on this side, on this side of the pond and yeah, glad to be back, Sebastian. Thank you so much for having us. I mean, my pleasure. You guys, you guys are you guys are totally, totally fam to the show here. And I we've we did an episode, Ronnie. You and I did an episode after you went out to see NYCFC go win the title in Portland a couple of years ago. Um, and you guys have been just fan, just you guys are fantastic representatives of MLS. And for anyone who doesn't know, like some of the things that you guys did before you guys, you know, were rolling out in Charlotte. I love seeing Voss on Instagram with his like credentials and his hair down and his camera. Like I'm out here, I'm out here to, to, to rub shoulders with uh, all the players. And it's just, it, it's cool to see. And you guys have kept this going. Tell me who are some guests over the last, especially since you became soccer view. So, cause that's, that's how we're going to really look at this right now. Who are some guests that you've enjoyed the most, learned the most from? Um, and uh, I was going to say, are there any disappointing ones? You don't have to name names, but uh, were there maybe any kind of like things you were like, you really wanted a little more? So I don't know, R- Ronnie, Ronnie, take it away. What do you, were there, who are your favorite guests so far and just your impressions of what, what it's been like? Yeah, Sebastian. No, thank you for that, man. I, I got to say the, renaming of the podcast has kind of given us an opportunity to revisit some of the OG guests that we had on on soccer subs. So uh, one of the top ones for me has to be Phil Shane. Um, He was amazing uh, talking MLS, you know, early beginnings, one of the original voices of MLS soccer. So he was amazing. Uh, Our boy Fabian, Fabian Renkel, who's based out in in, uh, San Jose, great guy, up and coming MLS reporter, He's definitely someone to watch on Twitter because he's always breaking the news, always talking messy and great friend of the show. So I got to give props to him. 
And yeah, man, we've had some MLS uh, commentators from Apple TV, D Diego Arioja, Sonny Guadarrama. Um, and one a memorable one had to be Tony Husband. So yeah, man, we've had some great momentum. And I know Vas has some pretty favorable ones as well. But uh, it's been it's been amazing just to catch up with some of the older guests and looking forward to the new ones that, that come up next. Yeah, I have to agree with Ronnie. I think with the rebrand, it's it's given us a chance to just like reconnect with a lot of the the former guests that we've had. So it's always good to catch up. But I don't want to say there's been any bad guests. I think the only thing was that Phil Shane was a little bit on the time. He was a little time constricted. So I wish it would have been longer than a 30 minute combo because picking his brain, who was like the original voice of MLS whenever I think of those early days was just incredible. But look, I think me personally, I just speaking to Marcelo Balboa and what he did for this country, me being half Peruvian, him being the first Latino American captain of the U.S. national team. Like, I think that was like very special, a little special place in my heart. But I want to thank all the guests first and foremost. But man, I think speaking to someone like Brian Jordan, who has taken such a post, his post career path is crazy. You know, like he's an actor now. He's kind of older. He was a stunt man. And he's like a two-time MLS Cup winner as well, you know? So it's crazy how just life works sometimes. And man, I, I think Richard Fleming was one of my favorite conversations. He was such a class act and had so much to say uh, from being now, now that he's not with the league. It's interesting to see what someone outside looking in kind of has to say. So shout out to someone who you might be familiar with, with Richard Fleming. Well, I, I think that's great. It's, getting a perspective of ex players in the league commentators is there a period of time that they sort of talk about with mls that um because i i don't know if anyone thinks back on old mls days fondly as like ah oh, it's just not what it used to be because the league has grown and, and that makes everyone win really but is there something about those old days that some of these guys talk about with a sense of nostalgia um that, that you guys that you guys come up with and seen i think 100 uh like speaking to those guys who are from the brian jordan dayson robinson kind of era like those two pre-2010s you know 2008 like when beckham first came to this league and you really had that big boom like fans are a little fickle sometimes and they just think oh messy mania so speaking to the guys who were here before beckham even came or they were in the league as he came into the league as well and got to experience kind of both ends of that spectrum. Always, I've always is a great conversation because you really get to see like someone like Sebastian Betashore who wasn't around for such a long time and he's still kicking in the league, you know, as a, as a member of the Rapids. So yep. it's cool to just talk to someone like that or, or, you know, I don't know. I know I'm bringing up Brian Jordan a lot, but he was just such a great combo to just see someone who wasn't exactly a star, in a time that players weren't making the most money and hearing something like the, that David Beckham and Robbie Keane would give their, like the vouchers for them to get food to like the younger players and stuff, because they didn't really need it. Like finding out those little things, or I like to ask like about like they saw asking about maybe like a, a locker room ritual because those Chicago fire teams that he was on were just stacked like Kalen Carr, Chris Armas, Jesse Marsh, uh, the, the list could go on CJ Brown, uh, Zach Thornton. And, Hearing like him talk about, oh, whenever it was someone's birthday, 
they were going to get dumped in an ice bath and they just had to like run for their lives post-practice and try to not be the, the victim. But yeah, just, I think that era in particular for me personally is crazy to just hear about because those guys, I feel not that they get lost in the shuffle, but a lot of newer fans may not remember that an AJ De La Garza was around as a super draft pick with Omar Gonzalez, you know, or just the pathways that different pros can take to, or even commentators, it's just so crazy to hear how they see it now that they've been a part of the the machine, you could say, for such a long time. Is there anything you want to throw on there, Ronnie? Yeah, Sebastian, I'll just add, man, I think one thing we love to do is just kind of touch on everyone's journey to where they, to where they are now. Um, and that includes either if they're players or if they're commentators or reporters that have covered MLS and one thing we love to touch on is just the journey on how they got to where they are now and the ups and downs. And, you know, I think there's like messages behind every episode that life isn't perfect and there's a grind to everything and nothing's handed easy, whether you're a player, you know, where you're trying to make it in broadcast. So I think every episode kind of has that in a way. Um, we love asking, you know, hey, tell us about your early beginnings. Tell us how you got into the beautiful game. And you never know where you're going to hear because everyone has such a unique path. So that's what we really love to chat on um, with every guest because everyone does have a story. So um, just to throw in those extra two cents on on top of what Vas said. Well, and also, how about the commentators? Because we'll and we'll get into uh, the sort of the changes in the league and the way it's it's evolving a little bit, but. One of the major things that happened with Apple coming in was you lost the basically the broadcasting changed. It used to be that there would be the local broadcasters who would, you know, commentate a game, and it was the same ones for each team in their own home place. And and there was a lot of local color in that. Like for instance, we here in Colorado, we had Balboa as co-coms. I mean, and, and I, I remember it was so funny. It, it, you would you would tune into a game and it, it, there was definitely biased commentary. And it was there was something about that that was like weird, but also kind of fun at the club level. Right. Because I think it's it's very common at the international level. Right. It, I mean, Voss, if you watch Peru uh, and like you're unless you're watching on like Univision, right? Where they have a, a collection of, of different Latinos from different countries, right? But if you're to watch it on like Peruvian television, they are unabashedly biased. They don't care. The French are the same. The English are the only ones that are like, oh, and it's a goal for Germany. England are one nil down. Instead of being like, Germany just scored, right? Because that's that's how so many other countries do it. It was so fun to have that in MLS. And when Apple came in, they sort of had to homogenize the way the commentators worked. Uh, from your guys' interviews that you've done, so how, how has that been, how's that transition sort of gone over for people? And what's your personal opinion on it? Yeah, I, I so, can, oh, go ahead, Buzz. Go right ahead, Ron. It's all you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll just start it off and Buzz definitely piggyback our, our definitely on your, on your view as well but uh i was just gonna say sebastian i think you know this was the first year of, of apple mls tv so um speaking to a few of them i know they've mentioned that this has been a year of i don't want to say trial and error but 
they are getting a feel of different partnerships, pairing up different Apple commentators with, with, uh, with different pairings. So I think this is going to be a year that tells a lot for next season on who makes a great tag team, who, who covered this team well. Um, I think there might be a plan to maybe keep some of those same commentators covering those same teams. It might not be weekly for every game, but uh, just from a personal standpoint, I've, I've really enjoyed Apple TV coming in for MLS just on the MLS 360 show, the pregame show, um, postgame, uh, the coverage. I, I think the quality has been great. Um, I, I, I got to give it to them. I think they've done a great job with the product and, it's not just that they've also been doing, you know, behind the scenes stuff, um, little mini docuseries on, on, on certain topics. So yeah, man, uh, Vas, go ahead. Cause yeah, it's, it's, it's been so much on, on Apple MLS TV side. So me personally, uh, Sebastian, I have to echo the same sentiment as you, because originally when they had announced the Apple TV deal with MLS without announcing their broadcasting teams at first, my biggest worry was, What's going to happen to the local voices of the league? Because like you said, it was just something unique to put on a DC United game and hear Dave Johnson when DC would score. Like, I'm not even a DC fan and I'm like getting chills remembering it's in the net. It's in the net. You know what I mean? Like hearing uh, uh, Richard Fleming with Balboa, just how they bounced off each other, hearing Shep Messing and... uh, and Steve Cangelosi for the Red Bull side of things, you know, just I know they're involved. Those two are involved with Apple TV, but the Dave Johnsons of the world who are just iconic, an iconic voice that you can. If I hear his voice, I can only think DC and MLS missing out on some of those guys. Really, I felt as someone who's been watching League for so long sucked. I, I don't know another word that just that's more you know it more uh smart or anything but i think it just sucked as uh mls sicko and someone who really enjoys the history of this league and the p remembering the guys who build the foundation for what we're enjoying today i think apple tv has done well to retain a lot of the talent but seeing a few of those iconic roles just kind of go away has been sad for me and of course they do well with the mls 360 show and not to sound biased, but seeing Shasha Kleshin, BWP, and Mike Grella all together again as a Red Bull fan, you know, although it's not on a pitch, it's on a <laughs> studio on Apple TV, is still very enjoyable because you see a lot of the now retired players have another option post retirement. They have, they could get into broadcasting, they could get into the in studio stuff. And just again, I know I sound like a broken record, but speaking to someone like Brian Jordan, he gave us insight on how there are other avenues that the league has done with Apple TV to try to extend a, an arm to guys who have retired now or, or are trying to get into trying to cover the league in a way. And I know I saw his Instagram. He was in a in some sort of meeting for Apple TV and former players in L.A. So it was cool that they're doing something like that to try to get more voices involved that have an MLS background. But overall, for the first year, of Apple TV, I think they've done a very good job. And again, not to sound biased, I've said this many a times, but as an Android user, I don't have an app. You know, I, I wish I had an app as an Android user. I have, a, I'm on a Chromebook, so I, I got to go on the web browser to just use Apple TV. But outside of that, I think no blackouts are incredible. As someone who's had to deal with blackouts for years now, it's cool to just be able to flick on my local team and not have to pay for 
you know, a, a local a whole package on some sort of weird, uh, you know, like TV deal, whatever. And it's cool that it comes. I'm a season ticket holder. I know I don't have to. We, we cover the team, so we're credentialed media. So I technically don't need to pay for the season ticket. But I like the fact that if I don't want to cover a game, I can just go relax, not have to worry about a ticket. And it comes with the package. I get to have Apple TV for the games that I'm not able to attend. So I think that's one cool thing that they got to, they got to include with the season packages. But if they can maybe lower that price, even like a dollar a month, $2 a month, I think it would be so much more appealing for the casual to want to spend their cash to try to watch something new. Because when you have, I think it's $15 a month. If you don't buy the yearly package, that's a lot to invest in as a new fan. Like, I also watch MMA, so the fact that my ESPN uh, price includes UFC and it's not even $11, and I think that's amazing. For a new fan who has you know, ESPN, they can just click something, and it's even if they don't follow it, they just want to see a, a random fight night. They could just pay the not even $10 right now. I know it's going to increase in a year or a few months, but it wasn't even $10 back in the day. It was like $5.99 for ESPN+. Plus. So it was easier for fans to just shell out that initial payment to try to give a, a new sport a chance and fall in love with it. So I think the price point may be something that they should work on, but I don't see happening with Messi having come into this league and now you're going to have even more eyes on it. So people are going to want to, well, the the upper governments are going to want to try to monetize it some more possibly, you know, because of the fact that you have more viewerships now. So overall, happy with it, but I do have my gripes with certain aspects of it. I think the no blackouts thing's huge. It's huge. Um, yeah, I remember being like, I can't watch the Rapids unless I go to a game because I don't have a TV. I'm a cord, I'm a total cord cutter. I just use my laptop for everything. Um, I, I I look. This is I think I believe this is the Apple deal with the MLS is. I don't want to say unprecedented because I don't know, but that a company especially a tech company that's not really like a primarily a streaming service yes they have that as a wing of their company but um it, it's interesting that they were so that they were so willing to go hard to get mls i mean it, it, you know it's and there's a lot that makes sense in in structural things the way for instance, the whole league's on Adidas, right? Like there's just so many things that make partnerships cleaner and easier for Apple in that. So I understand it. I know Amazon has been doing some things with the NFL, trying to like exclusive get games. There was a whole story about what they did on Thanksgiving to be able to show games later in the evening. Um, but it, it, it is fascinating. And when it when it was announced, I actually genuinely was like, this is a risk from Apple. Like this is a genuine risk because it's the MLS. It's got hardcore fans in numbers that are relative to the market that they're in. But it's the casual American soccer fan tends to do the Premier League, right? That that's that that kind of is the 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 first way. And then you have different cultures in the country. I mean, I I, I speak to kids all the time. We've got players in the teams we coach. If they're Latino, it's Real Madrid or Barcelona. I mean, there there is no no question. Like it's one of the two, right? And and so you sort of wonder, like, well, where is the the hunger 
for MLS. And so I, I always was like, man, Apple are doing something incredible for the league. I think this is going to be great. Is it a risk? And I would say it has worked, but there's two different dimensions. One where Messi goes to Saudi Arabia and one where Messi comes here. And so we have to talk about, you know, when big, when Bigfoot steps on the dollhouse, which is basically Lionel Messi setting foot in MLS, what, what, what on earth did that do? Like, I mean, that must have been seismic in so many ways. I know, actually, wasn't it Red Bull that had a, a big, there was a big debate about the ticket prices at Red Bull. And it was, was that a game he didn't play in or didn't go to or something? There It happened a few places, but I thought New York was one of them. No, he did play and he, he did play and he did score. I happened to be covering that okay. game. And just, I think it was the, the Charlotte game that he wasn't going to play. And they were all like, he should at least come out and clap to the crowd. I'm like, he don't really got to do that. You know, <laughs> that's not his job. He got to play and score against your team. Not be applauding your fans for having paid for overpriced tickets. But I just want to add one more thing to the Apple TV deal. So one thing that I, I forgot to mention that they've done very well when they signed is they allowed more accessibility to local media. So something that I've always criticized the New York Red Bulls for pre-Apple deal was the fact that they made it damn near impossible as a, a budding journalist to try to cover that team. They'd hold press conferences at 9.30 a.m. sometimes, and there's like two people on. Like, that's crazy. So I think Apple TV did very well to try to open the doors for more local media to try to cover their respective teams. Because I, I myself, seeing guys around me who make the sacrifice to come from New York to actually cover the team, is crazy. I think that's uh, something that I never got to see pre-Apple TV deal. So I think that's one cool thing that they have done. And on the messy front, man, it's crazy to just think that there was literal MLB players signing up as media and photography to just get a glimpse of him on a field. So it's wow. like you said, when it comes to Bigfoot stepping foot on a dollhouse, I think that's the biggest thing. You literally had like MLB players as photographers on the sidelines like they were getting called like, wait, that guy's not a photographer. He's like a pitcher for whatever team. Wow. Yeah, Sebastian, and just to add on to that, uh, you know, Messi coming here now, any city that he goes to, any stadium he goes to, it's almost a guaranteed sellout. And I think now, I, I was talking about it with Vas, you know how at NBA games you have like Celebrity Row? And I think now you're seeing that at MLS where like, oh, who's going to be the celebrity showing up to this weekend's games? Because if Messi's coming to your town, you best believe people from other teams are going to be there, the you know, the NFL players, the MLB players. And, um, and yeah, man, I think Apple TV, like, I, I do agree with you, Sebastian. It was a risk on, you know, spending a lot of money um, to to cover that MLS side to a new platform that not, not a lot of people were familiar with. Uh, but I think it's paid off. I think the messy move, him coming to Inter-Miami, I think paid off in, in the long run because he's, he's at least going to be here for two years possibly a third. We, we're not sure of that yet, but I think when you look, when you look at the hindsight of the marketing for MLS and, you know, they have their slogan, the goat lives here, you know, on, on, on Apple MLS. Uh, I know they talked about their numbers, uh, subscriptions gone up and everything. And yeah, I think for next season, they're just going to keep milking it. And I think we just saw a prime example of that in his Ballon d'Or night. Did they really need to throw that game? I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, it was against my team, NYCFC. 
uh, and on our one of our podcast episodes, we were like, "Was this game really necessary?" And Eric just flat out said, "They're they're just milking it. This is like, you know, I I, I get where they're coming from. They're they're milking this, and I think there's a lot of opportunities now with MLS and 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 Messi here, but also new talent coming in. You know, LA LA just just lost Chicharito, so there's like a lot of speculation of who's going to come in and replace uh, Chicharito in LA Galaxy. Um, there's always rumors of Griezmann possibly coming to MLS and uh, Luis Suarez next season coming to join Messi. So there's a lot of there's a lot of buzz around MLS right now. So I think uh, like we talked to Marcelo about it. We got to ride the wave and and see where that takes us. But I think next season is going to be huge for for Apple TV and, and for MLS. Yeah, my God, it's so interesting how the the way his debut because I watched that game, the one uh, in the League's Cup. And I mean, I, I, when he when that free kick was awarded at the top of the box, I pulled out my phone and was like, I'm videotaping this moment because he's gonna score. And I remember thinking that. And then I had my phone up. I was like, I mean, do you really think he's going to? I mean, come on. It's like the odds. I was like, it's Lionel Messi. Like, and I think that's the crazy part is you can trust so much that he is going to be amazing. I thought it was fascinating too. like. He overplayed in the league's cup like he, he had he played too much and then he immediately went and played for Argentina and like it was too much. Clearly, because he didn't play much after that. Right. It's a lot of like resting and injuries and all that. Um, hopefully we get the best version, uh, you know, possible for Messi for the next two years because he's on a three year deal. Right. So um, he's got two more years. And yeah, I mean, he's he, he is going to change a lot in the way the league works while he's here. Like you said, it's the the, the way people are going to show up to games. Um, I will say one of my, one of my gripes with MLS is that teams, not every team plays each other in a season. Inter Miami was never going to come to Denver and then, and Colorado Rapids were not playing Miami. So there there was a, a weird thing where like, I'm like, yeah, that just one of the gripes I have with MLS, but I do. And, and I think that that will be a question for a lot of people like, well, this, you know, they play they play a lot of games. This isn't the NFL. Like Messi's got to go everywhere. He's got to at least go or not, not everywhere, but every team has to be able to get a crack at Messi. I mean, if you're a player from another team and you're like, dude, I want to, I want to have my opportunity to play against this guy as well. Right. Um, His, his being here is going to make a massive difference. And what I'm hoping is that, like you said, talking about young talent, that MLS next and at least the high levels of the college game can still put players in this league that become exciting. Because my concern, especially when I started to hear the rumors of Danny Alves before he um, went on trial for Prison FC, and then um, the basically the, the stories of Modric and uh, and um, Luis Suarez coming to Inter Miami, you're like, wait, how? What is the average age you're going to turn this team, right? And for what? And this league has been trying for so long to get away from the Gerrards, the Lampards, the Pirlos that came in and were just their legs were shot. There was just no chance. They couldn't play in the summer here. 
and it was just too much. And the concern is that that will happen sort of, that that will continue to happen with this like idea. Oh my God, we're growing. Let's get more names, right? Okay. Griezmann's absolutely brilliant. So that's going to be a great signing for anybody. So that's different, but yeah. Do, do you guys think that there is a, a, the downside of Messi coming is do people's eyes get too big of what the thing can be and forget that this is a unique person. Like Pele put soccer on the map in the United States when he left. So did the game. Now that won't happen here when Messi leaves MLS won't go down the tube and Apple won't be like, well, this wasn't worth it. Like that's not what's going to happen. But what's the negative side, the downside of, of Messi's, Coming and also going because look the ticket prices the inflated things all all that's whatever I I think a lot of the, while he's here there pretty much are no downsides <laughs> aside from crap documentaries made for people like how can we just uh, get any messy content we can I don't know. Voss I'll start with you because you're you're gonna give a more unvarnished negative take and I think Ronnie you'll be a little more diplomatic um, so so we can sort of go down and up the roller coaster if you will but what is the the dark side of Messi coming and leaving MLS. So I know we talked about ticket pricing and the one thing that I really, not that I don't like it. If you can make your money, make your money. I ain't judging, but I don't like the fact that fans who've been following their respective teams for 15 years, maybe 20, 29 years now that the league's been around might potentially get priced out of, what might be the biggest game in their club's history in terms of an attendance number. And I think if there was somehow a way to put like a cap, like on how much these tickets could sell for, I think it would please a lot more people to try to, you know what, we are going to bring out the entire family because one of the craziest things that I had heard when uh, covering that into Miami game was one of my colleagues, shout out Maria Sabel was interviewing families and different fans outside the stadium I was about to, like she was editing a video and I'm like, yo, what are you editing? And she was like this family who said that they paid twenty five hundred dollars for a ticket. And I'm like, wait, for all of them? She's like, nope, for one. I'm like, how many of them were there? Like five. I'm like, wait, this guy shelled out how much money he sold his car. What the hell is going on? So I think that those kinds of uh, inflated numbers are just kind of a bit much, you know, like as someone who got to watch Beckham back in the day in giant stadium. I think that was one of the coolest experiences of my life as a Red Bulls fan. And unfortunately seeing maybe like a kid who has watched MLS growing up since he's been a, you know, who knows how old because I see a lot of younger fans. Now I may look a little younger, but I am now pushing 30. I'm 29. So seeing a lot of the younger fans who might attend the game and, they're like sometimes it's guy like an 18 year old who's using his tip money to go to games like he's not gonna be able to go watch Messi. you know he's like part of a supporter section possibly so it's unfortunate i think that that might happen but the main thing that we have to do is try to retain the new fans that come in how we do that i don't think it's by bringing in these older names like the suarez's of the world of course there's a place for them in this league but if you try to build a roster of just names look at what happened to miami before messi came they literally had sanctions against them because they were trying to plug in all these big names all this big talent without really having any cohesion so i think for the outsider looking in because a lot of eyes are going to be on inter miami is try not to become 
ex-Barcelona FC or ex-Best 11 United. You know, you got to bring in some younger guys. And I think Inter Miami has done well in that regard. They're bringing up guys like a Ben Kromansky. They, they got some younger talent around Messi. And his presence just being there and the potential names that are being linked to Inter Miami just has the eyes of a young Argentinian growing bigger and bigger to try to play that much better, to stand out, to maybe make a move to MLS with Inter Miami. And maybe guys who might not even join Inter Miami want to join a team that will be competing against Inter Miami on the Eastern Conference, for example, because I think the fact that you brought up teams won't be able to all play Inter Miami is such a crucial thing because a lot of people like to say MLS peaked in 2014 because you had a balanced schedule with every team playing each other mm-hmm. two times. Yeah. So I, I miss that, man. Like I, I know a lot of people might think, you, you mentioned it, they don't think back too fondly on the earlier years of the league or years past because the product just gets better and better as the years go by. That's a fact. You can't argue that. But seeing little things like a, a balanced schedule is something that I think would do this league wonders. And unfortunately, with the expansion that we have every year and teams sometimes bouncing from east to west coast like a Houston Dynamo back in the day, right. don't exactly work out. So trying to figure out how we can get, like you said, these these other teams, even if it's just, I know it's not going to be another league's cup, but maybe having a interleague tournament at some point if there's an international tournament to try to just get these guys to maybe, you know, get some some time against Inter Miami if Messi doesn't make a, an Argentina squad, which I doubt. But I don't know. I think trying to just figure that part of the game out would be doing wonders for his presence here for as long as he stays. Well, just before Ronnie, you jump in, I will say, Voss, I have a solution to that right now. Both that every team should play home and away every team in the league. MLS one and MLS two promotion relegation between the two and you have 15 20 teams per division per league and you can do more expansions or you can bring in usl teams that are good um that i think that's the way and we'll see how long it takes to get there i i think that it has to happen at some point of course it could be 10 15 years that's fine but i do think that is the solution to that problem we'll see (laughs) We'll see. Don Garber don't Don Garber isn't agreeing with uh with that take right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's not. <laughs> he just wants to keep on raking in this expansion fee money, man. Well, I mean, I MLS expansion fee money will always be lucrative. It's just at a certain point, it's kind of like a club. Like if you have a club and you're charging $30, $40 at the door for people to get in, but your music is shit. You know, or it's like not necessarily the music's bad, but like it's just like too, too, like you got multiple different things going on. It's just not cohesive, right? It's not, it's like it's having some, like punks and EDM people at the same club, yeah, just and multiple. Then like the gots in the corner because you have the MLS 1.0 clubs, the newer expansion teams, the guys who are trying to just stay in that middle ground. So I totally agree, man. So yeah, I, I, that but yeah, that's that's obviously a conversation for uh, another day. Pro rel, one of those pro rel days. Um, all right, Ronnie, what what do you think? The dark side of Messi's arrival and 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 soon to be departure in two years. Yeah, no, that's a good point, um, Sebastian, and I agree with some of the points that Vas said because, yeah, MLS does have a couple issues to take care of, and I think on top of the ticket prices, I have to add on 
that when Messi does come to your town or, you know, if it's a sold out stadium against Messi, almost the entire stadium is wearing FC Barcelona jerseys, PSG jerseys and Argentina jerseys. It's it's a fact. Like, and, and are Miami these people jerseys. really... And Miami jerseys, like, are, is anybody uh, the kids, really going I, the to kids I coach? There are more inner Miami jerseys than Rapids jerseys, one hundred percent from the young kids. There are so many pink and black messy jerseys, and there's no Rapids jerseys except for the the kids that play for the youth club, but they don't have any pro jerseys. So yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And you know, how do you convert those fans to go to the team shop and get that Rapids jersey, get that local jersey? Because if they're just going to show up for that one game for, that Messi's here, you know, that's all cool for one game. But how are you bringing them back to the to the other, uh, you know, 33 games out, out of the season? So I think MLS needs to figure that out. Uh, for one of our episodes, I know Vas got a little upset that I think for Red Bulls, they, they mentioned that they weren't going to sell any Messi gear. And come to behold, I think Vas found out that there were there was Messi gear at the Red Bull Arena Stadium. So. Um, that was, that took, that took like half a, half an episode there to clear out, but yeah, man, no, it's, it's a legit problem. And I'll just add, if I could just add one more thing to maybe the dark side of this is okay. Yeah. People are just, I've talked to fans that are like, oh yeah, I'm watching every, every Miami game and you know, okay, cool. But that's just one team out of, you know, almost 30 teams here in MLS. And I think you're, we're not highlighting all the other good teams that are going on and all the other storylines of the league. And I could just talk about this season, for example, Cincinnati, you know, are is our fans tuning into every Cincinnati game and seeing how they won that supporter shield, um, you know, Orlando, Columbus, Philly, who's been, you know, consistent every season. And on the Western conference, you know, we had St. Louis who was a brand new expansion team um, coming to top of the West and, and, and winning the West, um, you know, that was something that nobody really expected. And I know people always watch the L.A. teams, but a sporting KC this season was a dark horse that nobody expected to even make it to the playoffs. And here they were one game away from the Western Conference Finals. So there's still many, there's so many storylines in the MLS season every season. I'm not just talking about this one that I don't I think you're doing yourself a, dis, a disservice just watching Miami games because that's not indicative of the whole league. So, uh I'll just I'll just leave it there with that. But yeah, MLS has uh, a few issues that they need to resolve on what's going to happen after Messi leaves. Uh, if I could just maybe switch up to the one good thing that I'm hearing about and I'm seeing rumors about, oh, is that MLS might be adding in a fourth DP spot? I mean, it's a rumor right now, nothing confirmed, but that's something yeah. that MLS could be looking into the ne- for next season, the season after. And I think that'll be a huge plus because now every team gets four, you know, four DPs and every every team gets that opportunity to sign that extra big player. And I know we have our eyes on Europe, on South America, you know, and 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 all over the country and all over the the world pretty much. So I think that could be more talent coming in on top of what we've already been building. So that's my two cents on 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 the messy front there. So MLS has two big things to work on then storylines and structure. Nice to have two words that start with the same letter. So let's think about this. First of all, I will say this. Look, I, I'm a Lille fan, Losk, as they're always shown on when you watch their games. Uh, Northern French team won the league a couple years ago. Um, they're really good. They've got good players. Timothy Weah played there just before he went to Juventus. Jonathan David's there right now. Um, 
you cannot find like any shows that are like, let's talk about the French league. Cause there's good players. There's interesting. Te- Anything has to do with let's dog on PSG. Either Mbappe was brilliant or PSG need to be, you know, discussed as a glitz club. That's just all about the names and their one man band. Right. And like, that is pretty much outside of France, the coverage of the French league. Right. Um, and this is a top five league in the world. The fact that the MLS has this player that came in who is the greatest of all time, in my opinion, um, and is kind of just creating this vacuum that everyone is just all of a sudden into Miami. Okay, cool. I'll keep my uh, Apple TV subscription until Inter Miami are no longer in the playoff picture. And then I'm done. Cause I'm not paying attention anymore. Like, I was like, I'm keeping the subscription until the end of the season, but I don't watch Apple TV anyway. So once the MLS season is over, I'm going to be like, pause. But I think it is something that the league is going to have to deal with. If you want to get big names, they are going to take a lot of air out of the room. That That is part of why you bring them to suck air in your direction, right? Like Zlatan was the same thing, right? Um, Chicharito. I think there was the, the the desire to sign Chicharito was felt in a little bit of a like for LA. It was like, I mean, look at the commercial value of bringing in Mexico's top goal scorer. He's like, he's a freaking legend. Like, let's bring him to LA. It's perfect, right? And it's it's hard for us to to sort of discount the fact that these are the this is the way things go. And what's more interesting to me is the fact that American sports are set up in a way where Miami, as soon as Messi leaves they could be the bottom of the league again. It's not like in a lot of leagues where a club has the resources to bring in a huge name player. And that means that they'll stay good. Like that, you know, it's, they, they can do it because they're already good. Um, in America, it's interesting because geography can decide why you bring a player in. The Rapids could win, win MLS cup two years in a row and would not be able to sign. Let's say Griezmann. Right. Like he's going to New York, L.A. He's going to a coastal city. Big one. Like, right. We could be the best team in the league no matter what. And and they wouldn't come here. Right. Um, and, and I think that that there is this interesting thing about the MLS is that it's also America. Like this is a country that is unique in itself. So the people who are coming are going to have a whole host of different reasons for why they go where they go. It's just a. Yeah, it's it's uh, I I just think it's a fascinating thing. The storylines and structure, the playoffs. I personally loved what they did this year. First of all, I enjoy I I adored the League's Cup. That was awesome. And I think it's fascinating that the NBA now has their in-season tournament going. It's just like, yeah, you guys see the value in this kind of thing. So I loved League's Cup. But what I loved about the MLS playoffs was why not? This is very American to have series. And at a certain point, you don't want to drag it on too much. So you make them single game knockouts because those are also interesting. And to me, it's been kind of cool. But there's been an enormous amount of criticism. I remember reading an article in The Athletic. They were like, the MLS is never ending playoffs. They weren't even at the end of the first round. And they were like, these playoffs are never ending. There was an international break in the middle of it people let's remember that but 
uh, tell me your thoughts on the uh, on the playoffs, R- Ronnie. Let's start with you. What do, do you like this structure that they put in? Does it matter? Are you enjoying it? And why on earth do people hate it so much? All right, yeah, I can go first on this. Um, I'll say I like the idea behind it. I personally don't know if I liked it in the first round. I personally I think would have enjoyed it a little more in the later part, maybe in the Western Conference Final or make that fi- make that MLS final a home and away leg, kind of like what they did in Libertadores, um, uh, you know, just a few years back. But I, I personally don't think that first round needed three games. And, I'm, and by all means, look, I'm an MLS fan. More MLS games on, on the calendar, always a plus for any for any fan. You know, if you love basketball and you and there's more basketball games to watch, kudos. And same here for MLS. But there were only three matches or three matchups that that went to that went to extra games. Uh first one up was Houston Dynamo versus RSL, uh Seattle Sounders versus FC Dallas, and the other one was Columbus versus Atlanta. The other matchups the team that won the first game ended up advancing. So like I'm talking about uh, LAFC yeah, versus Vancouver. Yeah. LAFC versus Vancouver. LAFC won that first game and they took care of business in that second game. Sporting KC took care of business on both games against St. Louis. Um, you know, FC Cincinnati, sorry to save us. You know, they took care of the Red Bulls um, in both games and Orlando took care of Nashville in, in two games. So, uh, you know, I would have loved to see it at more of a high quality matchup when, you know, say for example, last year when, when we saw Philly best team in the East versus LAFC best team in the West, who wouldn't want to see best, best two out of three on that. Um, and even this season, yeah. I, I'm hoping that it's FC Cincinnati who says versus like LAFC, I would love to see it uh, best two out of three on that, on that too. So, I, I love the idea behind it, but I think I would have loved to see it later. Uh, Voss, I'm curious on, on what you think. I actually really, I, I think I really do think that's fascinating because uh, one thing that we, if you remember the Classicos in the Mourinho Guardiola days, they were playing each other in the league, the Copa del Rey and the Champions League. And it was just like, and I remember Guardiola said, it's like basketball where you're playing these like seven game series against team. You just know each other so well. And there's just so much on the line and in the air and it's the highest quality. So that's a very good point that they maybe they could have done single elimination early. If you're a high seated team, don't screw up like you were first or second in the regular season. Don't lose to a seventh seed in one game, right? Like. If you're gonna win the title, you just you have to do it. Now that you're playing someone who's good, let's let's see how it shakes out after three games, right? Like I I do really get that. I think that's that's a really fair point. So Voss, what's what's your what's your opinion on that? Look, man, when they initially announced the playoff structure, it was actually media day for the New York Red Bulls. So like we literally found out about the new playoff structure the day that we were doing media day for all the 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 media members and the players and stuff. So they even unveiled Daniel Van Zier, but just crazy to think that originally I was criticizing it, but if it wasn't for this, this shakeup with the extension of who qualifies with that wild card game, uh, the Red Bulls playoff streak would have ended at 13 years. So look, I got to thank MLS for, 
for making these changes. But now, <laughs> in all seriousness, I gotta I gotta give credit to where credit's due. Originally, I was criticizing it, but I really did enjoy the wild card game. I remember wild card games back around the 2007, 2008 era, like those years, like the New York Red Bulls made their only MLS Cup when they were a wild card team who won the West. Yes, an Eastern Conference team won the West. It's something that will never happen again. <laughs> and I am happy to say that they will still be the only Eastern Conference team to do that. But wild card games, I think, just brought another element of not surprise to these playoffs, but extra extra games with a lot on the line. I'll take any day of the week. And the fact that this first round was that best of three series, I think just played into the momentum factor of some of these wild card teams because to say that FC Cincinnati wiped the floor with the Red Bulls, kind of an understatement. I think Andres Ray just had a hand at every one of those goals and wishes he could have played better with within those two series, but I think it was neck and neck, even with the team that, in the Red Bulls case, was only above the playoff line for like a minute and a half. We were outside the playoffs the entire year. John Tolkien gets that penalty and the 94th minute of a 96 minute injury time. And that as soon as he scores, first time the rebels are above the playoff line. So I think the playoff structure and adding in the wild card teams just adds that element of excitement up until the literal last kick of the season. Cause that's, you can't see that anywhere else in the league outside of maybe like the championship when you got those teams that are neck and neck to see who gets an automatic uh, promotion and who's in a, in the playoffs for for the championship before they get to the prem so i honestly enjoyed it a lot more than the guys in the athletic who i think they brought up a good point i think the international break was weird in terms of being right in the middle of that that series so you know you you don't want the team's momentum to just go go to waste because of the fact that you had international games scheduled and so i i mean that's the only gripe that i could say i had with it because on the excitement factor Amazing on the teams that I, I got to see an SKC team just pull off the biggest upset, you know, like seeing them go through a, a wild card game and advancing to verse the top of the West. I think it's just those storylines that we were talking about that just build the fan base. Because again, you don't even have to be an SKC fan, but to see them take off the top dog in the West, you just kind of grow a soft spot for them. And, you know, maybe you'll put on that game next time that they're on. So I think it just helps just build more fandom because Americans love playoffs. If you have a longer playoff structure, more people will be tuning in for those do or die kind of games because, yeah, 34 games might be a little too much to ask for the average casual American soccer fan who may not be too into Major League Soccer. But you put on the playoffs and you put on a wild card game and you you have a month and a half to fall in love with a team, you could say. So I think it's it's something that MLS did well, in my opinion, to actually try to shake up. And I know they shake up the playoffs like every two, three years. Uh, we do a best of two series. We do away goals. We don't do away goals. So it's just following the trend of shaking up the playoffs. So I personally didn't take it too well at first, but man, credit where credit's due. I think amazing structure right now. Yeah, I think they're going to have to figure out something that is, put it this way, so you don't have to relearn entirely what the structure is every year. Like the Champions League, 
it's like, oh, okay, they're doing it this way this time. Like there's slight tweaks where you don't have, but with MLS, it's like you have to totally relearn the way they're doing the playoffs. And so they need to find the right branding, meaning the right structure that is like, this is what we want. And then they can make tweaks as they go. But I think you guys are both right. I think figuring out a way to get the best out of these playoffs games this is where the storylines come from. I mean, I watched the uh, Nashville Columbus game and I couldn't believe what Orlando, or sorry, sorry, uh, Orlando Columbus, not Nashville. And I couldn't believe what Orlando did to themselves. Literally, pour gasoline all over yourself, light a match. It was ridiculous. And Columbus just totally took advantage of it. And it was a compelling match. Because you have this team going in away and winning the most one of the dumbest red cards since Serginho Dest, which is not that long ago. Um, yeah, fascinating game, and I, I think the MLS just has this. There's great broadcasting quality, like there's good commentary. VAR does not ruin games the way it does in England and and in Europe. I think VAR they've got temp tempered to the right degree i know there's bad things decisions that happen sometimes but it does not suck the the life out of a game the way it can um in europe and so i think there's something really great that the mls has built here and it's it's how do you now build off of the stories because the structure is important get it right but like what is the story for you that I wouldn't even say the playoffs because the playoffs have been short, but like including leagues cup, including the season. And you are not allowed to say anything regarding Messi. You can maybe say uh, Robert Taylor, for instance, the guy from Finland who does not sound like he's from Finland. I mean, I thought that was incredible. Ben Kramaski, of course, like, but if you want to go in inter Miami, those are like two names I'll let you go to. Other than that, each of you story of the season, um, I know I didn't write this down as something to think of, but I'm sure you got something that just jumps out. Is what's your been your the thing that you just have loved the most, really, that has helped advance what this league really wants to be about, and whether it's a person, an individual player, a team, a club, a run. Who wants to go first? I'll I'll just go very quickly. I. I think it's a couple headlines for me, uh, Sebastian, and it's something that we saw a, a good amount of this season. And it was, I think, the shakeup of a couple of head coaches being let go or parting ways with their clubs. And I think it kind of shows a direction that MLS and a lot of teams are getting serious about winning or looking forward to next season. Um and I'll just give a few examples. Like, I, I, I know we saw New England part ways with Bruce Arena. Uh, we saw, for example, with Toronto letting, parting ways with Bob Bradley. Uh, just pieces that weren't working. And I know we saw, uh, Sebastian, your Colorado Rapids letting go of Robin Frazier. Um, Portland Timbers letting go of uh, Gio Savarisi, who's one of the MLS greats and in, in, in coachings that I know me and Voss admire. Uh, but I think it's just been a shakeup of, you know, okay, if we're not getting results, what do we need to change around? I know usually it starts, at the, it starts at the top with management. And I think, for example, for like a team like for Toronto, that there were so big expectations of Insigne, Bernadeschi, you know, the Italians not working out. Something's got to change. And, and I think Toronto is going to be a team to look out for next season where they got to look at the roster because 
even with the Italians, okay, maybe okay, maybe they didn't even make the playoffs, but to finish bottom of the East, that's I just mean, that's amazing. unacceptable. Yeah, it's it's insane. So, uh, and another team to mention, Chicago parting ways uh, with uh, their head coach as well, but and Rain Rooney leaving DC United. I could keep going, Sebastian. Like it's crazy how how much parting ways we have with with head coaches. So I think it just shows the urgency to win. Uh, for next season, and I think it's going to be a trend for for the upcoming seasons, not just next season, but the season after, because starting next season, it's all about results. Like I think more eyes are on MLS because of we know who, but yeah, I think it's all about results now, and we have the usual suspects in, in the playoffs um, now. For example, like Orlando usually makes it. Cincinnati, I think, was uh, a big surprise this year, but Philly's always there, New England, Atlanta, but I think we got to start looking at the teams that normally haven't been making it. And Toronto, Montreal, uh, my NYCFC didn't make it this season, so I'm bummed about that. But yeah, man, I think it's every team looking at themselves in the mirror and seeing what do we got to change. And I personally love just seeing how all the, the shakeup right now of, of MLS. And I think to me that makes compelling headlines to see what comes up for next season. Well, get ready for the next shakeup at Rapids because we have Man United legend Chris Armas who went in charge. And uh, I can tell you right now, there's not a lot of people that are very uh, inspired by that at this current juncture. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I will. I, I felt bad for Robin Frazier. I was like, that's, I don't know. I don't know. You guys tied his hands behind his back and told him to hop on one foot and win not that easy boss what do you think okay very good points from both of you gentlemen and i honestly have to agree with one thing the messamania got old very quickly and i would not even bring that up as like the story of the year as someone who's like a religious mls watcher i think the shifting of the powers in terms of for a few years we had the western conference just dominating I know they, they're the most recent MLS Cup winners, but just seeing the quality of the Eastern Conference, even pre-Messi, is incredible. Uh, I think that's one storyline that doesn't often get brought up, like just how the power shift every few years from the West to the East. But one thing that I honestly did not like is kind of like what Ronnie had to say. Uh, I think the MLS Originals have not done very well to try to keep up with an ever-advancing league. Uh, the Colorado Rapids of the world, I think they just made ro- poor Robin Frazier a scapegoat. Like you said, they Stan Kroenke had a team that was a Western Conference winner in 2021. And what did he do to build on it? Nothing. You know, he didn't bring in any kind of talent within the league, any kind of talent from overseas. He was just like, you know what? I'm actually going to get rid of my best players like a Cal Costa, And I'm going to just, you know, see what we could do. see what we what we could try to scrape together. And year by year, just felt like they were lagging more and more behind. I think Austin FC has been a crazy turnaround. I think where they were first or second in the West last year. Yeah, and they they're outside of a watch too. Yeah. The, home, they were dominating. They were scoring a boatload of goals. Sebastian Juicy was playing out of his skin. So I think that's been a big surprise. I think Yorgos Yakumakis, no bias here, you know, but Yorgos Yakumakis winning the newcomer of the year with the 17 goals, none of them from the penalty spot, I think is amazing. And add in Luis Abram, who joined from Granada. And of course, you got a Miles Robinson and a few more Americans. That's like 
the team that I should be following, right? I'm half Greek, half Peruvian. We got two internationals from each respective team and one of the most American cities. But no, I think Atlanta's been great to watch. I think Tiago Almada has been a gem for them, and he's not going to be around this league for way too long. But what I like the most from this season, man, and what just rings music to my ears is seeing NYCFC and DC United outside the playoffs while the Red Bulls <laughs> just stay in the hunt. Of course, we haven't delivered MLS Cup, but you know what? We're still giving our, our fans a little bit of heartbreak and a little bit of hope. <laughs> Taking shots at your uh, your your co-host. That's 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 nice. Oh, I, no, I'm I, sorry. One more thing. One more thing I have to highlight. Yeah, JMI is the best left back in this league, and I'm hoping that he gets more game time with this USMNT. I think the kid is not just the personality, but a class player. I think he's outgrown his place on the Red Bulls and in this league, and I'm really looking forward to what may transcend with a possible move upcoming to Europe. You know, you didn't hear it from here first, but I know there's some a lot of suitors overseas that are looking at him, and from having just spoken to him many a times personally and having a bit of a relationship with him, I know that he's already having one eye looking towards a, a flight to Europe. So just seeing how his growth progresses with a potential move on the way is something to keep an eye on. So to clear this up, who's JMI? John Tolkien. My apologies. He uh, does like going by John Tolkien. He he goes by his his nickname. He's John Michael, and he was just called JMI growing up. And if you call him John Tolkien in a, in a presser, he'll just like give you a face and he'll just crack a joke, you know, like even with the media guys and they have to formally announce him, he'll like be trash and like the, the head of comms, like, come on, bro. You know, that's not my name. <laughs> so again, great personality an equally great player. And I love the fact that he gets underneath other team skins. Like he's lo- beloved in the Red Bulls, but if you talk to him in Philly, Cincinnati, he's just like enemy number one. And they just, you want to see more villains in the league because that just brings up more conversations, more moments to talk about. And I think even what Miaska was doing to rile up the Red Bulls fans was great. You, you want to see more of that. I don't think that I'm not going to say I don't think he should be suspended because he did, I think, go into the referee's locker room and cause some sort of fuss. But seeing those villains, quote unquote, within the league, whether it's on the Red Bulls or not, is just amazing. You want to follow those kinds of players and. You always root against them, but when they're on your team, you just love to have them on there. I agree. The league need league needs a heel every now and again. That's what like Floyd Mayweather Floyd Mayweather figured out, right? Like, oh, be the villain, and uh, it's always you're yeah. gonna tune in anyway. <laughs> yeah, someone's gonna tune in. So actually, we'll uh, make sure we don't go all the way till the 30th of November, which is like. Um, five ten minutes away but uh we can start wrapping up a little bit but there's a couple little things i wanted to get on here first of all you mentioned john tolkien and um what i loved about him specifically was i enjoyed watching him with the u.s national team at the gold cup when they did the nations league first and had the first team and then they brought like a b slash c team to the gold cup and i really liked what i saw from him um and i wonder Sort of, I I always wonder what, what how, which players are going to end up sort of being in and around that group that are going to get to Copa America and maybe the 2026 World Cup. So I don't know about you guys. I have watched uh, all of the USMNT games. I've been able to watch them in as a replay on Peacock in Spanish only because I don't have TNT, so I don't I don't have TV, so I don't have TNT. So I've been watching them and um. 
I don't know, just a just a couple quick sentences from each of you. U.S. national team, where they're at, Greg 2.0. Um, is there positivity from you or not? What do you think? Okay, so it took us a year and an extensive head coaching search to rehire the same guy. <laughs> like, come on, man. Well, I and to say that this team was playing any worse without Greg around is an understatement. BJ was killing it. The team was free flowing. They were scoring goals left and right. And on a guy who's never coached on a first team basis was just incredible to see because he kind of not that he let the team have the reins of the entire car, but he let them have some sort of freedom. He wasn't so rigid with his tactics. He saw what works for his best players and that delivered results. And if you look at Greg Bearholster's results since 2019 against top 25 ranked FIFA opposition, he's five, seven and six. So this team hasn't exactly flourished when they needed it most against the top teams that they go up against. And I thought that maybe seeing that kind of stat and that kind of record and the kind of response that we had post world cup with and pre world cup with feuds and egos going back and forth that maybe a fresh start would be where to start because again, I think an outside voice would have been great. I know that a lot of people say that Jurgen Klinsmann and his time here is not the greatest. It was kind of looked down upon. He tried to integrate too many dual nationals, but as someone who's seen the 2004 Greece team, which I have a poster of somewhere behind me, uh, win a Euro Cup underneath the the guidance of a foreign head coach in Otto Rehagen. Man, imagine what this golden generation could do with not a Jose Mourinho, but who was the guy who was coaching uh, Morocco? Like that guy, I think, would have been an amazing candidate because he knows what it's like to be a foreigner in another country. He knows how to get the best out of his best players, first and foremost. And he just delivered on the international stage. So I think maybe looking at a candidate, I know, I think he's French, but maybe looking at someone like he's that. He's French-Moroccan. He was born and raised there. in France, but he is Moroccan. His, his parents, like, he's he's Moroccan. So Okay, yeah. see, I, that's incredible to even, I had no idea. But just looking at what an outside source would have been able to maybe just try to bring, I think would have been, respected a little more from some of the guys who Greg may have had butted heads with in the past, because I'm not saying that they don't respect Greg Bearhalter, but I think his MLS record and his European record speaks for itself. My man isn't exactly Jose Mourinho on the tactical side of things. He he's been mid at best and not even trying to throw shade. It's just the numbers don't lie and the performances you could see for yourself. They're not exactly convincing anyone or turning any fans in or any new fans into someone who's going to want to click back and watch this team because they're always a team of two halves. It's like he starts off super slow. The team is sloppy and they somehow find a way in the second half to get a goal. I feel like that's just been like the, the story under bear halter. So I was just upset that they brought him back, but hoping that he's learned from his previous mistakes and he could build on it. Unfortunately, uh, as of the last two, three games that I've seen, I'm starting to want to take back those statements. But you tell me, what have, what's your guys' take on, on Greg 2.0 now? Ronnie, go for it. Uh, well, I was just going to build on the headlines for this season. I think 
just starting with the positives. Balogun being added to the roster this season, I think, was one of the big headlines. You know, what can he produce? Um, I think he's been a great addition. Uh, yes, the coaching saga, the coaching search saga being over, and okay, we we got the same coach that we were looking that we were looking to replace, hire to get. All right, that's just over with. And then the whole lineup of, oh, can him and Gio Reyna make up again? I'm glad that's all over with because apparently there's some kind of resolution and both parties can move forward. But, yeah, it's it. I agree with Voss. Like, the USA team hasn't really had any convincing wins unless it's teams that you've never really seen or, like, there haven't been convincing wins against big teams and, like, I'm just looking at the last few games that they've played up against and Uzbekistan, Oman, um, you know, Ghana, Trinidad and Tobago, even we won that first leg and then we got our, <laughs> our butts handed to us on that second leg. But yeah, it, it hasn't been good momentum. And uh, I'll just echo the sentiments that Hercules Gomez, I saw him put out a couple of days ago, just on the upcoming uh, Copa America, because if we're going to be playing against teams like Ecuador you know, Argentina, you know, Brazil and the Copa America, we got to be on our A game. And right now, it, I don't think it's been the best sentiment or the at least for for USA fans like, oh, yeah, we can go into the to the Copa America and make some noise. I think we could scrape by a game or two, but it's right now. It, I don't think it's been the best momentum for for USA. And yeah, I'm hoping t- things turn around. But yeah, I, 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 that's my two cents right now, because I, I think this team still has a lot of work to do on finding that that momentum going into Copa America. And I know Jesse Marsh and, and um, Hercules were going on this, but yeah, I think Copa America is going to be a big tournament to keep an eye out for because USA hasn't really had any convincing wins against any European teams or big European teams or um, any of the big um, other rivals. So that's my two cents on that. Well, I for one am stoked about copa america i'm so excited for the summer planning on doing some road tripping with my lady we're gonna go and check out some games and go see some places so i'm super excited for it i think you're both 100 right this this needs to be the i think this needs to be the acid test for greg if it's a failure i don't know if they can keep him for the world cup and giving given that there's a year between the world cup or the copa america and the world cup that does at least give someone else enough time to at least get a few camps in generate an energy and go. Um, I think my personal opinion, there's a little bit of improvement. Um, I think Greg's Greg, but like he's not terrible. And I don't think he does the worst. What I like about him to a certain degree is he, for a guy who goes and speaks at like corporate summits and things like that, he does not sound like a corporate guy. When he talks, he says very coach things but he doesn't sound like Matt Crocker who literally sounds like a robot. Like that dude is an abomination in my opinion for us soccer. At least he's getting the women's coach hire. Correct. But the, the, I think the U S national team has a peak, right? The starting 11, the starting 12, 13 guys are the best that need to be there. The rest fill it out with good bodies that help that, that can give you a different option. Maybe, I think it's hard to be too critical. And also I will say this, Voss, no team. And I know your, your Greek boys, Otto Rehagel, that is a Euro that I 
at despise hilariously, not because I hate Greece, but my goodness, I was all in for France and then the Czech Republic for sure, because Pavel Nedved was my guy at the time and they injured him on purpose. Um, uh, no team has ever won the World Cup with a foreign coach. That is something to remember. And Zlatko Dalic from Croatia is your best example of someone who is not um, a dude with a giant record that has been doing some great things. I always like to mention him. But, yeah, it's going to be super interesting um, to see how it pans out. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a situation in development. It's fluid, as people like to say. So, guys, um, we we should probably uh, we should probably call it. This has been a you know we're 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 getting deep into the night here. Um, I did have Emma Hayes as a hire for USMNT written down on the agenda. Uh, one or two or six words. Uh, do you approve or not, uh, Voss? What do you think? Okay. Uh... <laughs> Unlike the men's side, I totally agree with this hire. She has, what, six FA WSL championships, five women's FA Cups, two FA Women's Leagues Cups since 2012. Like, that's a winning record. That's someone who you want to bring into this program, which is a winning program. The best women's national team in the world in terms of our history. So I think her experience with the Long Island Rough Riders to start off her pro career as well as the Chicago Red Stars, bodes very well for this USA team. And hopefully I'm going to like to see her integrate maybe some new blood into this team, like a Sophia Smith, like a Jaden Shaw. And not saying that someone like Alex Morgan's time is up or or uh, my girl with Gotham FC, a recent NWSL winner, Lynn Williams. Like I don't think their time is up. I think there's an important place for, for those that age group with this next generation coming in. So I think, like I said, it was a great hire. I'm excited to see what can come from it because I don't, I'm about to make it like Voldemort. I don't even want to mention the last guy's name. So it's it's just looking good on the woman's side. And I'd like to know what you have to say on it. Ronnie, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with us. Everything he said, uh, obviously looking up her career and having experience uh, with Chelsea, um, also being here from the U S uh, I think she's going to be a great hire for, for the U S women's team. And I was just, when, when I saw that question pop up, Sebastian, I immediately thought of, you know, what went wrong for the women's team and, and this past world cup and, you know, just looking at those matchups and there, there's some work to do there. And I know, you know, it, it was like a weird world cup for the women's team, but I think Emma Hayes could be that coach to, to make that difference uh, for the upcoming years, because I think uh, she's, she's got some pedigree on her and um, I think she's got proven experience that can make her, uh, make her the candidate for, for this job. And I'm wishing her the best for it. Well, I'll triple down because I'm a Chelsea fan. So I do actually watch the Chelsea women a fair bit and have in the last few years. And what she, she turns her team into mentality, like beasts. Um, I've also seen her run sessions at uh, coaches conventions um, like live and she is the best communicator as a coach I think I've ever seen in the flesh of any coach I've ever seen do a session she's the most clear um, and I think she's going to be outstanding my hot take on that is they will win something 100% whether it's an Olympics or World Cup they will win something with her in charge so 
good news for the U.S. Good news for the U.S. There, um, guys. Let's call it a night because it is officially um, after midnight for you two. Um, and I've got to take a leak. That's always the way it goes at about this about a time of a podcast. So, my friends, as always, it is a it is a massive pleasure. And you guys, I I need to go to you guys for MLS stuff because I don't keep up with it as much. And it's a massive help. And I think, and I'm really to anyone listening, do not come to Campfire Football for MLS. Go to the Soccer View. They have great interviews. They talk to awesome people, and they know their shit. Like actually, like really if you haven't picked up on that yet. So my guys, um, give a nice little send off, um, a happy November to everybody. And, uh, and we can call it a night. Yeah. I'll just uh, start off. Uh, uh, Sebastian, thank you for having us, man. Always, always love and appreciate your support. Always, um, known you for a few years and, um, just a pleasure to call you a friend, man. Um, but yeah, for the fans, definitely check us out if you can. Soccer View Radio on Instagram, Soccer View on TikTok and 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 on Twitter. And uh, yeah, we'll, we uh, right now it's the holidays, but right after um, the holidays, we're we're looking to get back into rhythm, uh, recording every week. And even though it's going to be the MLS offseason soon, we're still going to try to grind out uh, some episodes just because uh, there's always headlines coming up. So um. We're, we're out here working in New York City, and thank you guys for all the support. And Vas, go ahead. Yeah, just to add on to, to what Ronnie said, first and foremost, thank you so much, Sebastian, for having us on again. And uh, thank you to, whoever, to all the listeners. You guys, without you, it would be a little bit more lonely. But no, <laughs> thank you so much again for just letting us discuss what we love most. And it's the beautiful game. And like Ronnie said, for all of your MLS content, if you want to just give us a follow on X at Soccer View Radio, on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff, we should be providing all the, the updates as they happen, whether it's from the league or from the New York teams. So hopefully you're here along for the journey. And that's the most important thing. I just love the fact that we have this little podcasting community that we can just talk what we love most and again a huge shout out to campfire football and the campfire fam and hopefully it's not this long of a of a gap between episodes but i know i missed the last one but i'll be sure to be on next time and again we'll make sure thank you and you guys peace, tell peace and love to eric as well it's always important and oh hot take before we leave i know yeah, we mentioned good. manchester united legend chris arma is getting hired by the rapids but <laughs> i tweeted about this if you guys want to i i should pin that tweet the rapids don't finish dead last in the league and i think they sneak into a playoff spot with a wild card game whoa mark my words whoa i with did armis in I, charge or with armis in charge and someone replaced no him. with armis okay. in charge and that's the that's the main thing people might want to lambast me but i've seen the guy up close and personal with the red bulls so look he's not the greatest you know tactical guy but he is a man manager and players always had good things to say about him so if there's a personality you try to just round everyone together and get the most out of uh you know a what feels like the scrap pack i could see like i said just like cincinnati i did two years ago i said they're gonna make a playoff and they ended up eliminating my red bulls and this year they're top of the, the league i'm predicting the rapids will do the same the turnaround happens under armas all right so big nice omen for the burgundy boys all right guys well thanks everybody for stopping by and uh have a lovely night take it easy <laughs>